everybody. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of Brown Eyed Unicorn. Here we are again, all of us together, bored as fucking quarantine and wondering when this will be over. I was just totally off the cuff, you guys. You know, I try not to flex that I'm an amazing singer, but sometimes it comes out. What can I say? I truly like, I feel like I'm not trying to, I want this to be love and light. Okay. I want this to be like light and fluffy and easy to listen to. Um, like I want this podcast to like taste like a fun fetty cake, but like for your ears, just like sweet and fun and cute. But that being said, I just am frustrated that we don't have a day on the calendar to look forward to. Like if I knew that, I don't know, June 10th, Okay, I would be able to go to a patio somewhere in Los Angeles, put on my favorite red halter top and a statement earring, beat my face to the gods, slather self-tanner all over my body so that I look like a bronze and goddess, sit on that patio, order a spicy margarita with salt and get fucking shit canned with my friends until like one in the morning. If I knew that on June 10th, I would get to do that. I would be okay. I'd be like, okay, I'm one day closer to June 10th. It's the uncertainty that's really driving my shit insane. And I'm not someone who I've said this a million times. I'm sorry. Since this all started, I'm not someone who's good at just sitting down and doing nothing. Even when I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and like take a load off Annie and like relax. I fucking can't. And I, you guys, I hit the nail on the head as to why I've been so bad at binging TV in these uncertain times. Because as I've said, I feel like everyone wants me to get caught up on a show that they love. They're like, Oh my God, you need to watch you know, last season of Below Deck was batshit crazy. You should watch it. Like, I'm trying to get caught up on Potomac. But here's the thing. Under normal circumstances, binging a TV show is like eating a big bowl of ice cream. Apparently, I'm really into, like, dessert analogies today, but I'm highly menstrual, so that's where my head's at. Normally, though, binging a TV show is this, like, sweet, fun adventure. But right now, given the uncertainty of just, like, the world and, like, the uncertainty of just, like, every fucking day... I don't think that my brain, my soul, my spirit, and my heart can process a new TV show right now. I really don't think I can because the uncertainty, even in the TV show, of not knowing what's going to happen, it's not exciting right now. It's stressful. Does that make sense? It's like everything's uncertain. So what I want to do is like I want to rewatch every Nancy Myers movie. I want to watch something that I know what's going to happen. I can tune out. I can be on my phone. I cannot be on my phone. But like nothing's going to stress me out because there are no fucking surprises. So that was a I mean, I love when I therapize myself. I was like, wow, that is exactly what it is. I was catching up with my girlfriend over the phone and I was like, that's what that is. Also, before I get into the rest of my notes here, I want to plug my favorite company, Totally Good Time. I know I plug Totally Good Time all the time, but hello, like why wouldn't I? Um, Totally Good Time is coming out with a Clueless collection today, the day that this podcast comes out, April 10th, like 10 pieces inspired by Clueless and everything is so fucking cute I'm like dying to get my hands on some of it I like literally don't even know where I'm gonna begin when picking which pieces I want to buy but check it out the clueless collection totally good time use hannah 20 at checkout for 20% off treat yourself to a cute new fun clueless piece of apparel because you fucking deserve it in these uncertain and 
frustrating as fuck times. Another thing about quarantine that's interesting is I feel like we're all so bored that we're on our phones all the time, even more than usual. And people are sending me some weird shit. They're like, oh, you need to see this video. You need to see this picture. And friend of the podcast, Joe, who I feel like I brought up recently, Joe Pacenti, my friend from Chicago, he sent me a a bunch of pictures of a kangaroo today, like some TikTok that he saw of like a guy like up close and personal with a kangaroo. And he was like, holy shit, kangaroos are really scary. And I never thought about it. And I loved Kangaroo Jack growing up. But seeing these pictures of this kangaroo up close, it literally looked like a person in a suit. Like, it scared the shit out of me. Like, it looked like something from Return to Oz. No, it looked like something from, okay, I don't know if you guys grew up on the We Sing movies, but if you didn't, I don't know, like, do some mushrooms and look them up on YouTube. No, don't do that. It'll be a bad trip. The We Sing movies are these, like, really trippy child movies from like the early early 90s maybe late 80s where they like sing a bunch of songs and wear a bunch of costumes and the sets were like really cool to me when I was little I thought everything looked so real and if you watch it as an adult which I've done you're like whoa this movie was really different when I was a kid but in a wee sing movie called Big Rock Candy Mountain there are these creatures called the snoodle doodles and they're twins and they look that's what that kangaroo looked like to me I know that's a niche reference but that's how I roll look it up look up a picture of a kangaroo and then a snoodle doodle from we sing big rock candy mountain and tell me I'm wrong you won't because I'm right also I'm so fucking bored in quarantine that I was in the bathroom the other day I was washing my hands and the natural light hit my forehead a certain way and I saw like all these wrinkles and then I examined my mole above my top lip for like a good 25 minutes and then I spiraled and was like oh my god it looks like a wart like it's disgusting it's hideous and if I get it removed am I gonna have a scar and I was like spiraling about my mole to Jake and Jake was pretty much just like I'm not doing this with you like I'm not gonna do this with you and I was like that's totally fair but I'm like this is the shit that happens when a vain bitch is in quarantine and like has too much time to stare at herself and doesn't have enough going on to distract herself from shit like did my mole grow and did it not and I'm not saying we shouldn't take moles seriously we obviously should but I need to get a grip all this to say I need to get a grip um okay let's get into some pop culture things first of all I wasn't sure if I was going to comment on what I'm about to comment on because I don't know where my career is going to go in this town. And I like to think it's going to go pretty fucking far. And I like to think I'm going to meet some of the people that I'm talking about on this podcast. So I get nervous. I get a little scared to poke the beer. That being said, I want to shout out Claire C. Downs on Twitter for outlining Kristen Cavallari and Justin Anderson's Bahamian... Bahamian, Bahamian Chronicles in Quarantine. So I read this whole Twitter thread because I saw that Justin Anderson had posted something like, we're adjusting to island life quite night, like quite nicely. You know, Kristen and I do workouts on the beach and then we drink and then, you know, my fiance Scoot does this and then, you know, and it, it came off as just like kind of tone deaf to me. And then at the end, he had this disclaimer that was like, please no shitty comments because I'm just all about like love and light and positivity. And I was like, okay, listen, this is, it, it made me feel something. I was like, I'm, I'm annoyed. I mean, this post is annoying to me. And I feel like if you need to write a disclaimer for people not to be annoyed with you about what you're posting, then like, maybe you shouldn't post it. You know, like maybe you should rethink it. Maybe you should send your little monologue about how fun 
you know, island life is in quarantine to like your mom or your friend or like someone who actually knows you and like has a relationship with you because me as just like a person on Instagram was like, this is really obnoxious. And then after reading this Twitter thread that Claire C. Downs on Twitter gloriously put together, I found the whole situation to be tone deaf and pretty fucking hideous. And I was a huge fan of Justin Anderson and Kristen Cavallari. I literally have a signed copy of Kristen Cavallari's cookbook, True Roots. I went to a book signing in Chicago for Kristen because I'm a huge Kristen fan, or I was. And I feel tricked. I feel deceived. Like, I find their response to this whole situation to be so confounding and in poor taste. And in the immortal words of Kourtney Kardashian, there's people that are dying, Kim. I seriously, Claire C. Downs, look at her Twitter, look at her Justin and Kristen Twitter thread because she puts together, she weaves together beautifully the series of events that played out on Instagram since all this corona stuff really hit the fan. And it is wild how they handled it. It's wild. It's wild. Um, Someone who I loved on Instagram, though, this entire time and continue to love is Ramona Singer. Ramona's Instagram stories rage on. Avery just like fully won quarantine. She did. Um, Emily K. NYC. Shout out to Emily K. NYC on Instagram. She tipped me off to Ramona's stories early on, and I'm eternally grateful. I've been catching up on them. Um, This week we saw like Mario dugging with Avery while he donned this like dark, sexy, golden tan Um, I think maybe last week we saw this like unclear blonde woman who definitely seemed like she was going to fuck Mario and Ramona. And I was into that. We also saw Mario doing glute bridges, which was just like hot to me. We saw Ramona in lucite heels and white shorts making dinner. I'm like, I love Ramona like for acting like she just casually wears like lingerie around the house to clean a toilet or just like a casual lucite heel when you're eating dinner at home. Like I live for the drama and the glamour of how Ramona gets dressed every day, but especially in quarantine while she's, you know, winning Mario back if she hasn't already. I'm sure she has. Um, then we also saw Ramona and Avery doing a TikTok together. And she's like, don't talk. Don't, Avery, just don't, don't talk. Because Avery was like trying to like talk through the moves. She was like, clap, clap, up, down. And Ramona's like, Avery, Avery. And then they did their TikTok and Ramona didn't really know the moves. So maybe Avery should have talked through the moves, but it turned out fantastic regardless. Um, I messaged Avery asking her how she parent trapped her parents without a twin. And unfortunately, she declined to comment. Um, But that's okay. I also DM'd Jill Zarin telling her that I just thought it was really beautiful that she was in quarantine with her whole family, with Allie and her parents and I think her boyfriend. And I was like, this is such a special time to get to be with family. And she goes, absolutely. Stay safe, sweetie. And it was like, I want to frame that DM conversation and like put it on my wall somewhere. That'd be cute. If you like did a gallery wall. This is such a like pop culture addict thing to do. You did like a gallery wall of your favorite DM conversations that you've had with Bravo celebrities and just like put it in your bathroom or something. Just some food for thought for all you interior decorators listening. So that was it. That was like a highlight of my life. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, I also came up with my housewives tagline. Here it is. I'm not just catty. I'm the whole damn jellical ball. And I, Bravo might not let me use the word damn in my tagline. So I just want to let you hear it without the word damn. I'm not just catty. I'm the whole jellical ball. Ooh, I feel like that works even better. 
I feel like that works even better because it kind of plays on the fact that like I like musical theater and I just like theater in general and like I have a cat and I'm a little catty I just feel like it's really on brand for me um so you know after years of not knowing what the fuck my housewife's tagline would be I'm just happy that I have that that I can just like pull out when someone asks me um let's get into VPR okay I have a lot of notes this week. Normally, I just try to do like a highlight. So this might be a really fucking long episode. And I'm sorry, but also you're welcome. I don't know how bored you are when you're listening to this, but let's get into it. First of all, in the very beginning of the episode, all the guys decided to go like skateboarding and like roller skating in Venice. And Max tried to be funny with a Mighty Ducks reference. And I was like, this is just unfortunate. He was like, quack, quack, quack. And I was like, Max, shut the fuck up. Like not even a pop culture reference can save this dumb dumb. And we all know I live for a pop culture reference, but I was like, please don't try and hide behind the ducks to make yourself seem likable because you're not. Also, in this scene, Schwartz basically, like, doubled down on what he said to Katie last week. He said he was disgusted with Katie. And then he told Bo that it caught him off guard that um, Bo didn't agree with him. But then he's like, but it's okay, Bo, because, you know, I like to be challenged. And I'm like, well, clearly you don't because Katie challenged you and said that she didn't agree with your response to Randall's prank and you ripped her head off. So, like, what, like, Schwartz has the self-awareness of a prune. Um, we saw everyone go to throw axes, a small group go to throw axes and Raquel got to do all kinds of axe puns. She's like, I didn't expect to accede everyone's expectations. I'm a bad axe bitch. (laughs) And I was like, you're adorable. And we know she didn't come up with those puns, but regardless, she's a producer's dream because she just delivered them. She giggled at the end. I loved it. Charlie has a moment where she says that she's picky about cheesecake to a table at Sir who's trying to order cheesecake. And as a server, that's just like so dumb. But I loved it. She's like, I don't know. I mean, ours is fine. But like, I'm picky about cheesecake because I like going to the Cheesecake Factory. And I was like, Charlie, I'm obsessed with her. And even Jake like called me out and was like, God, you really love Charlie. And I was like, yeah, I do. I want to go to Cheesecake Factory with her and just like, I don't know make fun of people and like ask her about her boob job. I'm obsessed with her. We also find out that Danica um, fucked something pretty major up with a two table section. And as someone who's had to deal with like a 12 table section before, I was like, Danica, literally, how did that happen? And then Lisa acts so shocked and she's like, Danica, it's bad business. It's in poor taste. And she reprimands Danica for her like fuck up in her two table section. But I just want to say, first of all, classic sir. No one goes to serve for good service. And second of all, I've basically been hazed by a bartender there. There's this bartender there who's really fucking tiny and she's blonde and she's really pretty, but she's really mean. And like I went once for See You Next Tuesday and she like systematically bullied me. Like Kelly Cloran Ben Simone was systematically bullied and no one gave a shit. Like she literally like grunted at me when I tried to order a drink. And then when she gave me a drink, she like threw it at me to the point where it like she was like here and like banged it down like banged it in front of me on the counter to the point where it like sloshed around and she was just she was huffing and puffing and granted she was the only bartender behind the bar but again I'm like you don't need to be rude like don't be mad at me because sir is cheap and doesn't want to staff up the bar for see you next Tuesday not my problem um oh so all this to say it's just funny that Lisa's acting like she has any sort of service standard like it that's not a thing there we also briefly saw a shot of Danica before she got her upper lip done and she looked really different and I want to say I think she's stunning no matter what but 
I think her pouty upper lip is really working well for her. And it kind of made me want to get mine done, even though I won't. I've also been the Danica at many a serving job. I've had an attitude problem. And I have a hard time not talking back when I think authority is being stupid. But guess what? I also got fired like a bunch of times. So I eventually stopped. Um, but I do, I identify with Danica. I understand why she's frustrated. I also don't understand how the fuck she made that level of fuck up with like a two table section. I know she's managing, but I was like, girl, come on, come on. Tom and Katie have a little talk about, you know, what occurred last week. And very, very rarely am I team Katie. I haven't been team Katie since like season three when she told Stassi that she didn't want to wake up with hatred and anger in her heart. But in this, like in this scenario, Team Katie. Like, I thought she was articulate in this scene. I thought she sounded intelligent. She didn't get, like, overly emotional or nasty. She kept it together. And when Schwartz told her not to be a social justice warrior, I truly wanted to punch him in his pouty little mouth. Like, I was like, are you kidding? Like, we all think that Schwartz is just this, like, goofy, drunken, like, he's, like, not a good person. He's just not. And... I would argue that most of this cast isn't, which is why we've enjoyed watching them for so long. But like, don't be a social justice warrior. Fuck you, man. And then he did that voice where he's like, Bubba, I feel bad. I feel real bad for talking to you that way. I love you. I love you, Bubba. He can't not do a voice when he's apologizing to her because he doesn't even actually believe what he's saying. Like he doesn't mean it. If you have to put on a goofy voice to like apologize to your spouse... You don't mean it. And it, it looked like he felt worse about how he spoke to Bo than how he spoke to Katie. And I was just like, Schwartz, babe, you're canceled. You're canceled. I'm going to refer to Tom Tom as just Tom now because there's only one Tom that I stand on this show. Um, I normally don't like Stassi and Katie as a unit. And I'm definitely team Kristen in the whole which is a WeHo feud. But I really felt bad for all of them for having to go eat and film at Villa Blanca. That really sucks. Because <laughs> Villa Blanca sucks. Um, Lisa's outfit was wild in this scene. She had like two bejeweled rosaries, another like Joanne adjacent hat, this time in white, a comically giant bejeweled Gucci belt. She was a walking farce. I was like, I'm so fucking sick of rich people having bad taste. Between her and Kyle Richards, like I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. If you want to be an Eileen Davidson and be like, here's my hideous purse that I got on sale because I don't want to spend my money that way and I don't care, more power to you. But to spend a lot of money on ugly shit is an affront to me and everyone else who dreams of having that kind of budget for a wardrobe someday. Like, get it together, Lisa. And I know she never will because that's just who she is. But I was like, Jesus, what is this look? She kind of shits the bed as well. She spills the beans because we find out that Kristen wasn't invited to Tom and Katie's second wedding in Vegas um, because Lisa basically, it reminded me of the scene in Moulin Rouge where Legs is like, but I don't understand. Why would she pick the penniless writer? Oops, I mean sitar player. Like Lisa was like, oops, did I step in it? Because she's like, and I'll see you in Vegas, girls. And then she's like, oops, sorry, did I step in it? And I'm really sick of like Lisa's mean girling and trying to be one of the kids whilst producing this season. I was just like, you were cool at the beginning of this because you like hovered above the entire cast like a matriarch. And now you're just like, you're, you're stooping to their level. Like they're supposed to be your underlings. And now you're like 
trying to take part in like mean girl and Kristen. And I'm just like, I, I, I'm not here for it. I think it's embarrassing. And then Lisa summoning Stassi and trying to be besties with her was just really dark. And I miss the days where Lisa told Stassi that she wasn't important enough to hate and to sit down. Also, I love Dana so much. But when she said Brett looked for depth in people, I was like, you're being way too nice. No, he doesn't. I did like her bit when she said she had more baggage than Toomey. And I really feel for her for sharing a birthday with her mom. That has to be really, really hard. And... I think anyone who can actually be vulnerable on camera and on this show is a special person. Um, never have I had such a visceral reaction to Brittany than when she forgot her fucking table numbers. She looked gorgeous in this scene. I will say that highlights on point, tan on point, glowy, dewy goddess. But when Peter's like, hey, Brittany, and she's like, ha. And he's like, do you remember the table numbers? And she's like, mm. and I'm like, oh my God, you literally take like, a month off of serving and you don't know the fucking table numbers. I could tell you the table numbers from like maybe not my first serving job, but my second serving job. I could literally tell you all those table numbers. I'm like, how did you, you can't remember table numbers of a job that you've been at for like four years, but you like, I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous. I'm jealous that Brittany makes the money she makes when I don't feel like her brain has to work very hard. Um, let's see. Stassi and Bo's dinner was whatever. Like, I don't really care about this storyline at all. I just think Stassi's really pretty to look at. And I think Bo's style isn't great. And those are both like tales as old as time. What is with the keyhole long sleeve trend this season? Like, okay, so first we saw Stassi and Raquel wear the same dress in confessional, but like Stassi was in confessional. Is that like a real world term? Am I in their like little interviews? For their interview looks, Stassi was wearing this like black slinky dress that I mentioned a few weeks ago that was like a turtleneck, but then it had like a keyhole like around her like chest, like decollete region, region. I can't speak today. And Raquel was wearing the same dress in raspberry. And then we saw who, what am I like a Crayola crayon box? Like she's wearing the same dress in raspberry. But then we see Brittany wearing the same fucking silhouette as a top with jeans for Dana's birthday party. And I was like, they're all gorgeous, but I'm like, this is a terrible silhouette on everyone. I don't know why the cast of Vanderpump Rules is acting like this is like some revolutionary like silhouette. Like it looks like a top or a dress that you would get at like Wet Seal. And Wet Seal had its time and its place in my life, but not now. Not not when I'm making the kind of money that these people are making. Fuck no. We find out that Charlie named her boobs Tia and Tamara, and I loved that for her. And I was like, if I were Charlie and my tits were named Tia and Tamara, then... I would name my vagina Lisa Landry because I think Lisa Landry is the most important cast member on that entire show. And then you can call your vagina Lisa Landry House of Landry. Is that too far? I was fully aligned with Charlie's response to the cake fight. And as a kid, I thought that food fights were like the coolest and best way to flirt. I was like, oh my God, like I just want to like get in a food fight with my crush and just like throw like, you know, a taco at him and then he'll throw like a hot dog at me and then it like it was like that in my mind as a kid a food fight had the same energy as like Kat and Patrick and 10 things I hate about you when they get in that like paint balloon fight and they like make out in the hay that's what I thought food fights were like when I was little I thought it was like a prime chance to flirt and like make my crush fall in love with me um but now I would totally respond like Charlie I'd be like I did not like bathe today apply body makeup 
and face makeup and do my hair and put on this outfit just so you could like throw cake all over me. But it does track that Dana was into food fights too because we're both early 90s kids. So like it makes sense. But in adulthood, yeah, no thanks. No thanks to food fighting for me. I did my hair. No. Also, poor Kristen, when she was crying to Katie outside, I was like, just stop. Make new friends. Fight with Stassi and Katie to stay on the show, but like make new friends. I want to see Kristen rise like a phoenix. I want to see the rise of Chris, the rise of Kristen. I'm so sick of seeing her be the butt of the joke. Also, side note, I looked at her home tour on Instagram the other day and her house is really fucking cute. It's very like blue jean baby L.A. lady. Her James May office in the back is really fucking cute. She like turned her garage into an office and it's very like Arc Digest Margot Robbie's office vibes. It's really cute. Go to Kristen's Instagram. Check it out. Let me know what you think. I was really into her house. Where was I? Um, also, Sheena, Sheena, Sheena. Stirring shit up with Max. You know, we love to see it. We love Sheena for being petty as fuck and keeping these storylines going. But I also just don't care enough about Max or Brett to like really give a shit about her crying over them. And like, I don't, frankly, it didn't seem like Dana really gave a shit either. Like, I like Dana for being Dana, but like, she's not a dramatic person. Like, she keeps her shit together. She like wants to like have a good time. But like, I just, yeah, this whole storyline I was like kind of mad about. And Sheena's like, I'm totally over it. Like, I don't like them while she's fully crying and getting really, really mad about the flirtatious food fight taking place. We all get mad about weird shit, though, because one time a guy I liked was flirting with a girl about buffalo chicken salads in front of me, and I, like, fully lost it and also cried a la Sheena, so I understand. Like, when you can tell that a guy you like likes someone else and it's right in front of your, right in front of your face, like, it really fucking sucks. But that's when you leave early and you get in your Uber and then you cry to Melodrama by Lord. That whole album is perfect if you're crying in Ubers drunk. I did it for most of 2017 into 2018. And I don't have straight guy best friends when I'm not single for a reason. Like, because Lala basically called Sheena out and was like, but this is what you do. Like, you have these guy friends that are, like, hot and you keep them around. And she's like, but they're my best friend. And she's like, yeah, that's the point. Like, it's not working for you. And I don't know about Sheena, but I will say that most of the times I've had like a really close straight guy friend and I've been single, it's either to like fill some kind of void because I want male attention or it's in the hopes that it'll grow into something more. And then when it doesn't, it's like really heartbreaking and hurts. I'm like, Sheena, break the break the cycle. I think now that she's with her like hot boyfriend, Brock Davies, who I bring up at least once a week, I think she's doing fine now, but I think she's still super close with Max and Brett. And I'm just like, why? Anyways, Brett and Lisa fucked. They like fully, fully fucked. And I've been saying this for weeks, okay? But then he, in this episode, he propositions her for a makeout. She says that Ken will get mad if she stays. She's like, I must go because it's Ken's birthday and I have to put out in about 35 minutes. And then Brett says he gets a feeling in his stomach when he's around Lisa. And he tells her to get herself warmed up to fuck Ken tonight. And I'm like, this is your boss that you're speaking to. And when is it comfortable to speak to your boss that way? Never. Unless you're fucking. This scene cemented what I called out from the first time we saw Brett training Lisa in the backyard. And training is a loose term because it's mostly just like, it's mostly just Lisa standing there, like, looking at him and being like, you're so hot, Brett. Like, I don't feel like working out today. Let's just, like, talk. You know what I mean? 
So I was just honestly, I felt so vindicated. I love when I'm right about stuff. And I feel like this is all the evidence we need. Next week, we see more Kristen drama. We see Vegas. We see more Dana and Brett stuff. We see Danica reading Dana about Brett. And then we see more Stassi proposal stuff. I feel like the season's starting to fall flat. I feel like it took me longer to get to this place than a lot of other people. Um, it's falling a little flat for me. I'm going to need everyone to step it up, truly. I mean, last week we got so many fights, and it was like, that's what I want out of Vanderpump Rules. I want, like, two huge fights an episode. I want explosive drama. I don't need just, like, people throwing axes and throwing cake and just, like, throwing things at each other in, like, a fun, cute way. I want, like, someone to throw a punch at somebody, you know? That's the kind of trashy reality TV I need and I want. Um, okay, guys, let's get into New York. And we're back once again. Guys, I feel like I'm just going to say these first couple weeks that I record the first part of this podcast earlier in the day. Some hours have passed since I recorded that. Now I just finished Roni and we're going to get into it immediately because it's 10 p.m. in Los Angeles and I'm a little drunk. I'm feeling musical today. I'm going to lose all my listeners from all this singing. Anyways, let's get into it. We open on Sonia and Tinsley at Pier 26, grabbing a little bite. And Sonia's like, oh, I'm exhausted from the stairs. And Tinsley calls Sonia out for jumping on the Dorinda bandwagon of claiming that they don't know who Tinsley really is. And Tinsley's like, she's calling me a liar, Sonia. And Sonia's like, what is she saying you lied about? And Sonia claims people around town saw Tinsley around with Scott. And that's why Dorinda thinks that she's a bullshitter. Then Leah shows up and Sonia's like, you know, she feels like you haven't been forthright with her. And Leah's like, well, I, I don't understand what this is because you've always been forth forthright with me. I'm understanding pretty quickly that they're trying to replace Bethany with Leah. They're trying to have like a strong perspective. This woman who runs her own business, who's willing to like go toe to toe with people like Bravo. I know your game and I appreciate it. And then Leah's like, maybe she would tell us more if we didn't talk to her like a hooker, which is a fair statement. And Tinsley's basically just really fucking frustrated because she feels like she's allowed to go back and forth in a relationship and it's basically no one's business. So like Tinsley is the Kristen Doty and Dorinda is the Katie and Stassi, I would say in this scenario. Jake's in this room getting another drink or maybe water. I don't know what he's getting. He's getting another drink. And that statement just blew his mind. Um, and then Sonia's like, let's ask about you. Oh, you have tattoos. And Leah's like, yeah, I have a lot of tattoos. And Sonia's like, what's on your back? And Leah's like, it's my name. And Sonia's like, Leah has a beautiful body. And I think it says something about her that she has tattoos. It's self what is it? Self-defecating? Oh, no, that's shitting on yourself. But it's it's self-defaming. Sonia is so hard to do, you guys, because she's like just enough like Ramona, but also literally not Ramona. And then Leah's like, there's a few things in this life that I'm sure of. And one of those things is that Sonia is not going to kick out a hot young guy. What are these notes? Kick a hot young guy out of bed because he has an anchor tattoo. Fair. And then we cut to Dorinda asking her housekeeper to help her pack for the Hamptons. And she tries to pack this like chain link, truly psychotic Elvira dress. And she's like, this is such a Ramona dress, right? Oh, Ramona's just going to lose it over it, right? 
And then she pulls like a literal resistance band of lingerie out of her drawer. And she's like, what was I thinking when I bought this? What is this? And honestly, we've all been in that place of buying a resistance band of lingerie and then being like, why did I wear this? Why did I buy this? Meanwhile, in the Hamptons, Luann is meeting Ramona for dinner and Ramona cannot walk in those heels for shit. I feel like I just have to say that. And a man immediately asks Ramona to have a glass of Pinot Grigio and takes her number. And Luann just sits there waiting in like a sensible sundress necklace combo. And I literally, I will ask this forever. How the fuck does Ramona have this much game? And like, does Avery have this much game? Like, can Ramona write a fucking dating book? Please, I would read that front to back because I mean like even though her and Mario got divorced I think they're fucking now so it's like I want to know everything she has to say because that woman knows how to get a man and how to keep him in my opinion so then Ramona's like I'm a born flirt I even flirt with women okay if I stop flirting then I'm dead and Ramona couldn't even tell Luann if the guy who asked for her number was handsome, but he was age appropriate and he had good manners. And Luann, I also just want to say, looked stunning in this scene and honestly in the entire episode. She was like in a full Nancy Myers Hamptons place of just like glowing. And then she's like, I'd like to have a boyfriend. And then we find out that Ramona created a vision board for her boyfriend. It was photos of locations and rings. And Luann's like, oh, that's hysterical. You're starting to sound like a serial murderer. <laughs> and Luann guessed that there may be dick pics on her vision board. And I'd argue it's just either a dick pic of Mario's or just a spicy picture of Mario from like 1992. Um, and vision boarding works like Ramona manifested everything that's happening for her right now it's all happening um they start talking about Luann's room that weekend at Ramona's house because Ramona does not want a repeat of the fish room from last year with Luann at Dorinda's and Ramona's like do you want your own quiet room with a bathroom you know you could sneak a guy in and nobody'd know and I just want to say I really love this tender friendship between Luann and Ramona um, and then they discuss if Leah is coming with the group that weekend. And Ramona's like, is it Leela or is it Layla? I, I know it's two syllables. Um, and then Luann's like, I really like her because one of the first things she told me was I was arrested. And then Ramona in her interview was like, let's face it. How many people got arrested? Of course they bought it over their arrest. And then they cheers to a fun weekend being girls and to Luann being back to Lou. Then we return to Tinsley's hotel apartment, and I love Bravo for labeling it as Tinsley's hotel apartment. And we meet Tinsley's new dog, Strawberry and Shortcake, and we find out she rescued them in, sh in China, but can only communicate with them in Chinese. Classic Tins. Has to use, like, an app and doesn't know what the fuck she's doing with these dogs. Um, and then Dorinda and Sonia head to the Hamptons. Dorinda brought flowers and vibrators, and Sonia brought her dog and her wig, which was shoved in her purse. And it was it was cute to see this little like, you know, car ride with Dorinda and Sonia. But I also was like, I miss Sonia shitting in a diaper on the Jitney. Like, that's what we want to see. And then Luann tells her housekeeper, Alice, that she's going to stay with Hermona. And Alice is like, why? And Luann's like, well, that's a really good question, Alice. <laughs> and Ramona is in a really cute. She's setting up this like beautiful spread for lunch for when the ladies arrive. And she's in this really cute blush athleisure set. And she's trying to feed Coco a carrot. And Jake actually made this comment that she was fully channeling my Instagram character, Tippy, because as we all know, or at least those of you who follow me on Instagram know that Tippy is a fictitious character that I made up who is constantly calling for her husband, Mark. And it usually takes about three times for him to actually respond. She's like, Mark, 
Mark. And Ramona's literally like, Coco, 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 you want a carrot? You want a carrot, Coco? And she literally takes her fucking like 17 times for Coco to like acknowledge her and then eat the carrot. Then Leah and Tinsley are heading to the Hamptons and Leah's in a really wild sheer bucket hat. And it took me a second to process like what it was. Like at first I thought it was like a fascinator that you'd wear to like a chic funeral. And then I was like, oh fuck, that is a sheer bucket hat. And, you know, I'm not Haley Bieber. I don't claim to be a fashionista, but I am very anti-bucket hat around these parts. I just want to say that. Um, And then so Leah's bringing up the like, drama with Tinsley and Dorinda she's like the last time you saw Dorinda she said some wild ass shit she was on your dick and Leah says that she can handle catty and petty shit because she went to a private school on the Upper East Side but she's gonna try and behave this weekend since she's on their turf and Jake made a good point he was like if she went to a private school on the Upper East Side that means she came from money and he's like she acts like she's this like salt of the earth person but Upper East Side money is like the oldest money and I don't know if this is true, but it's a fair point. Regardless, she had to beat the shit out of a cop, have the cop beat her up back, and then sue his ass to start her business. So between that and the tram stamp, she has grit, in my opinion, and I love that. I think she's a really great ally for Tins. Meanwhile, in Dorinda and Sonia's car, Sonia's like, I like Josh and the new girl this weekend. And Dorinda's like, um, she's like, I probably didn't give her a fair chance because she's friends so I will try harder this weekend because I probably shouldn't guilt by association and we find out Sonia spilled to Ramona and Dorinda about Leah's tramp stamp and I just want to say that getting your own name tramp stamped on your back is a mood and it's a vibe and it's a Sheena Shea type power move and proclamation of self-love that I'm actually really really into So Dorinda and Sonia roll up and Ramona is opening Rosé and screeching like a million times over for no apparent reason. She's just like, oh, oh, yeah, wow. And she's like, I'm about to have a party by myself. Oh, you brought yellow flowers. I love yellow flowers. And then Dorinda also brings Ramona a Frosé maker, which it's a tough call as to whether or not that tops the mermaid outfits that she brought last year. But I will agree with Ramona that Dorinda brings really great gifts. Um, and then Dorinda's like, I'm excited to have a glass of Pinot Grigio or nine. And she just throws that comment away. The delivery was perfect. And I'm like, yes, Dorinda, please get trashed this weekend and just set the Hamptons ablaze. Also, can we discuss Sonia's interview look with the pearl barrette? It's full Miss Piggy. It's like, Kim me. And like, look. Miss Piggy is a fashion icon. I'm obsessed with her. But something about like the short, tight, blonde curls, that pearl barrette, and then that like like spangly silver dress. I was like, Sonia is channeling Miss Piggy, and I don't hate it. I think it's amazing. Um, Lou shows up in a bohemian dress, giving me like older Kristen Doty, like Stevie Nicks vibes. And then Tinsley and Leah arrive. And Dorinda's like, you know, when it comes to Tinsley this weekend, I want to do the see no evil, hear no evil. But I can't say speak no evil because that always happens. So Dorinda is like really leaning into being the villain of this season. And then Ramona's showing Leah around and she's like, you know, I'm the kind of person you're in my house. You have access to everything. You want to go in the refrigerator. You want to get a snack. And I was like, Ramona, you sold me. Like truly, I would love nothing more than spending a weekend with Ramona 
and Avery, like doing TikTok dances. I would totally take that basement. We'll get more into that in a second. And like eating her beautiful lunch spreads, helping myself to a snack and drinking rosé. Like I think Ramona seems like a terrific host in my opinion. And then she takes Luann to the lower level and Luann is immediately pissed. She's like, you're taking me to the basement. And Luann claims that that's like putting me in the attic and calling it the penthouse. And she's like, the lack of Ramona's consideration is just mind blowing. And then Luann really does her, she really tests her theater skills. It's just high drama. She gets down there and she's like dramatically like rubbing her shoulders like, you know, Molly in the beginning of Annie. As as if she's freezing to death, like fucking Oliver Twist in that basement in the Hamptons. And I was like, get a grip. Then she complains to Ramona about the air conditioner. She's like, Ramona's like, well, you know, there's a blanket down there. And she's like, no, but why can't you turn it down? It's it's so cold. It's just so cold. And I just want to say sleeping in a cold basement. Maybe it's because I'm from the Midwest. I don't want to pull a pull a Kelly Cloran Ben Simone and be like, I'm from the Midwest. OK, but like truly. I have the fondest childhood memories of like leaving the pool after like a hot summer day, going home, taking a shower and like descending into a cold basement at like 4 p.m. with a bunch of blankets and like an afternoon movie. Like, I don't know what the fuck Luana is complaining about. I think this whole situation looks incredibly soothing and comfortable. But Luann's pissed and she anger watches TV in the on the lower level while the rest of the group hangs out. Then meanwhile, Dorinda receives a call from her contractor and it's revealed that Bluestone Manor flooded and she had to rip out a bunch of different things in the house to fix it. And I made a note that I love that the name Bluestone Manor outlasted Carol Radzaville. Or as Luann said at the reunion, Carol Radzaville. But Dorinda's like, she's getting overwhelmed by this whole process of like dealing with the flooding. And I feel her in this scene because those calls to like, you know, contractors or like calling AT&T or your landlord like those calls are my true nightmare and I avoid them at all costs so Dorinda and Sonia have a chat outside and Dorinda says she's overwhelmed and she fully breaks down and Sonia's false eyelashes in this scene looked wild like I truly thought she was going to take flight at any minute but Dorinda expands on why she's so overwhelmed and she says she wishes she had someone who could step in and make it better so she could be carefree again. And I made a note that just in all caps said, um, John. But we find out that John isn't really good at like stepping in and being a fucking adult because he's never been married. He's never had kids and he's never really had any responsibilities outside of his business. And then Sonia's like, she lends a very gentle, caring ear in this scene. She's like, how could you do everything well? There's too many balls in the air. How can you catch them all? And meanwhile, Leah gives Ramona a Joe Malone candle as a gift, which is only my fucking dream. Like, I will know that I've made it in this life when I have a Joe Malone candle in my bathroom and like a diptyque candle. There's like a few aspirational candles that I just like keep in my mental, you know, candle spank bank, if you will. And a Joe Malone candle is one of them. So I was like, Leah, that's that's a good move. And Ramona's like, oh, thank you. That is so sweet. Now, tell me about your hat because I can't quite figure it out. And Leah's like, I love bucket hats. She's just so hip. And I'm like, cool, you're really hip. I fucking hate bucket hats. And then they discuss how Ramona was a buyer for Macy's and Leah reveals that she was thrown out of her parents' house at 17. 
for like drugs and alcohol and partying reasons. And she was pissed because they moved from New York to Connecticut when she was 13. So she rebelled. But Leah thinks that dealing with adversity made her tough enough to run her own company. And Ramona was like, wow, this girl's okay. But you know, her head, I'm not sure it's okay. So Ramona is not sold on the tattoos or the hat, but she's sold on Leah. Meanwhile, Sonia is like, is that a hat or a sun visor? I feel like the only way I can do Sonia's voice is if I'm like yelling. So sorry in advance. But they're all just so confused by Leah, like her her hat and her tattoos. Like they truly act like she's from another planet. And then Sonia calls Ramona out for misusing touche and advised her to respond by saying word. She's like, amen, sister. And I'm like, Sonia, I just I live for her. I'm like, you're trying to like school Ramona on how to use the word touche when you use the term defecating instead of defaming like mere moments ago in the same episode. So when the tattoos come up and Leah's like, I feel like everybody has tattoos. And Sonia's like, no one has tattoos. And then Ramona's like, I don't talk to people with tattoos. And they're like, ah. And Ramona's like, no, I don't know what a tramp stamp is, but I don't think it sounds very nice. And then Dorinda's like, she ever forgets your name, all you have to do is bend over. And Leah's like, um, rude. And then she asks how Dorinda knows about the tattoo. And Sonia's just like, I told Dorinda, I told her everything. And Leah's pissed. And then Sonia just like leaves. She's like, bye. And then Ramona tells Tinsley and Leah that she didn't hire anyone for the day. And she puts them to work while she just sits there. And clearly Tinsley has never worked in a restaurant because she just like stacks the plates and like leans her whole body against it and then drops a knife. And Mona's like, it's okay. You'll pick it up later. Whoa, that was kind of like Jill's Aaron. Hold on. Let me go back. It's okay. You'll pick it up. <laughs> it's late. I'm tired. It's okay. You'll pick it up later. I mean, these girls, these girls don't know how to entertain. And then she pours herself a whole wine glass of vodka then meanwhile, the gals are getting ready for dinner and Leah does a wellness check with her daughter, Kier. And Kier is pissed because she has no one in her class. And it doesn't mean shit that Jessica's in her class because Jessica has other friends too. And Leah's like trying to like give her a glass half full perspective on the situation. And Kier's just like, no, I hate everyone. And for that line alone, I fuck hard with Kier. I feel the same way most of the time. Like I hate a lot of people and I'm like, Kier, I fuck with you. Then they say I love you a million times and they hang up. And then Tinsley asks Sonia why she had to go and tell Dorinda about the tattoo. She's like, why do you have to go tell Dorinda about the tattoo? And Sonia's like, Dorinda's your friend. I mean, she's been a bitchy. She's been bitchy recently. And Tinsley's like, for several months. And Leah enters and is like, she basically is like, the only one making people uncomfortable is and she just points out the door towards Dorinda. And she's like, listen, I'm dealing with shit too. My kid had a bad day and I'm not trying to deal with this right now. And then Sonia's like, I'm going to be there for Dorinda. I know she's in a tough place right now, so I'm going to protect her. And then Tinsley tells Leah privately that people are talking shit about her. And Leah doesn't really give a fuck about telling Sonia to shut up. She's like, I might have to tell her to shut up. So... We know that Leah's like totally down for confrontation and I feel like they're planting the seeds in these early episodes for Leah to get in like a knockdown drag out fight with somebody, which we see in the season trailer between her and Dorinda, I believe. Um, so I'm really excited to see her like step to people. We know we're we know that she's like behaving herself in these first couple of episodes, but I'm excited to see like where her temper goes throughout the season. And hopefully if she gets asked back next season, then she'll really act psychotic. Cause I feel like usually a housewife's first season 
they're like being nice to everybody and sort of getting the lay of the land. And then their true essence comes out in their second season. And I really want that for Leah um, at the rate this is going. And then Ramona's like, all right, girls, we all ready? And Luann's like, oh, look at that, Ramona. We both have bell bottoms on. And they're all getting ready for dinner. And Dorinda's playing with extensions on Sonia's dog, Marley. And Sonia narks on Leah to Dorinda, like once again, which Leah and Tinsley totally called out that that was going to happen. And Dorinda's like, listen, I was taught that people with tattoos will kidnap you. And she's like, I couldn't recognize her in a lineup. I couldn't recognize her visually or this way. And she like points to her hand. She's like, yeah, or, oratorily. I don't fucking know what oratorily means, but I feel like she used that word wrong. And then Dorinda comes downstairs and she comes in hot with Leah. She's like, so, you know, I heard that you were upset. And then Leah tells Dor- Dorinda, she's like, I just don't get why your delivery is hostile. Luann's like, well, I missed it. What happened? And I'm like, well, you missed it because you were angry watching infomercials in Ramona's basement. And then Tinsley's like, but Sonia thought it was funny. And then Dorinda cuts her off. And I'm like, poor Tinsley can never get a word in edgewise, but like, especially not right now when her voice is like fully gone. And then Dorinda repeats to Leah, I couldn't pick you out in a lineup. And then Leah's like, well, cool. I hope you can get to know me. And Sonia picks her wedgie on the way into the car. Like, I thought this scene was going to escalate and it didn't. So I'm like, I like Jake and I both were hoping when we saw like coming up that little exchange between Dorinda and Leah that like it was going to escalate into a fight. But it kind of just like fizzled out. But again, I think they're planting seeds for like later on in the season. So then Sonia picks her wedgie on the way into the car to dinner and she's like, my underwear's in a twist. What else is new? And then we have Leah, Ramona and Luann in a car and Tinsley, Sonia and Dorinda in the other car. And Leah fills in Ramona and Luann on how Sonia keeps telling Dorinda like things about, you know, Leah's tattoos, etc. And Leah doesn't care because it's nothing that she wouldn't say to Dorinda's face, but she hasn't had a chance to have a conversation with Sonia about it, so that might come up later. And then the ladies show up to this really chic spot. I think it was called Il Tuto for dinner, and it looked amazing. And I was like, God fucking damn it, I just want to drink cocktails on a patio right now. I know I've already said that once in this episode, but it's my truth. And Ramona runs into like two people within five minutes. She's like, oh my God, hi, hi, oh, hello, hi. And Sonia talks some shit. She's like, she's not socialite. She's social heavy. You know, I know the Mater D. I know everyone here. I come here all the time. Move to LA. They do that all the time. This is a new, this is New York. Act like a New Yorker. And I was like, honestly, Sonia, accurate. And then Tinsley, I just loved how in this scene, Tinsley fully couldn't speak, but she ordered a martini. She's like, well, hopefully this will help with my voice. And then Luann, um, we find out that Luann has an ally in Leah as well because Leah orders them mocktails. And Luann tells the women that she was shitty to them all last year while she dealt with her issues. And she gives them all an official apology. And like, I know that Bethany's no longer on the show, but it's unfortunate that she couldn't be here for this moment that I truly never thought would actually come. Like Luann properly owning that she was extremely self-involved as she was dealing with her issues last year. And I was like, that shows some growth. And the other ladies seem to be super appreciative of it. So then Ramona receives a phone call and tells her friend to come say hello. She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, well, sure. Then come say hi. Yeah. 
And Ramona is to this restaurant what I was to Sidetrack in Chicago, which I've mentioned before, but Sidetrack is like truly my favorite bar of all time. It's this fantastic gay bar in Chicago with an epic rooftop. They play musicals every Sunday and Monday. If you're ever in Chicago, you have to go. They have boozy slushies. Everyone there is fantastic. And I, by the time I moved here, was kind of like a regular there, like I knew so many people there and I was in a full place of Ramona every time I'd go. And I know it's probably annoying to the people around you, but it feels really fucking cool to like be a regular at a spot and know everybody. So I was like, Ramona, you're being obnoxious as fuck. And my obnoxiousness sees your obnoxiousness. Um, God, I miss being a regular somewhere. That was a good time. Anyways. Then she does a bit about being too social. Ramona does a bit about being too social. She's like, I got a problem. How do I fix it? Doctor, how do I fix it? And then Dorinda calls Sonia out for stirring the pot this afternoon. And Ramona's like, you don't stir the drink. You stir the pot. And Sonia's like, no, I don't. And she's like fully smirking. Ramona's like, look at that smirk. Look at that smirk. And then Leah's like, I'm letting the tramp stamp comment go, but she basically is like, I'm filing this shit away for later when it comes to Dorinda. She's like, I'm not going to forget this moving forward, but for now I'm just going to put it on a shelf in the back of my mind and see what this bitch does next. And then Dorinda's like, you know, I appreciate that Leah can hold her own. And then the episode ends with Ramona making a lap to try and get some dick. Next week we see... Leah um, drinking. We see the gals going to a party in a $39 million house. We see Ramona getting suspended in like a swing or a chair, perhaps. Sonia yells that she's not arm candy and she doesn't shave her vagina. And Luann sends a Katie Maloney adjacent rage text from the lower level. So that was this week's episode. Um, I mean, we can always, there wasn't a ton of drama, but we can always count on these ladies to bring high comedy to us. And I think in these wild times, that's what we need the most. Um, I'm excited to see where the season goes. I want more drama next week. I want people to yell at each other. I want Leah to really rip someone's head off, probably Dorinda's. I want Tinsley to come into her own more. I want Sonia and Ramona to continue doing exactly what they're doing. And I want Luann to get a fucking grip on the lower level. Again, nothing is more soothing than a cold basement on a hot day. And that's that on that. Guys, thank you so much for listening. If you don't follow me already, follow me on Instagram at Hannah A. Brown. Um, Please head on over to iTunes and leave the pod a rating and a review if you would be so kind. And if you have any feedback, feel free to leave it there or DM me. Or email the podcast at browneyedunicorn at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for the rebrand. That's still going on. It's going to be a blast. And also, if you want bonus content, head on over to patreon.com slash browneyedunicorn. Um, and for just $5 a month, you get access to all the bonus episodes. I'm recapping season two of Real Housewives of New York right now. But sometimes I throw in extra episodes just for funsies. So check that out. And thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, stay sane, and we'll see you next week. Bye.